Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that enables CSMs to manage their customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. For over 15 years, I've been a sales, marketing, and customer success executive, and my career is primarily focused on early and growth stage tech companies. The Success League works with organizations of all sizes, both in software as a service and traditional industries. I'm excited to introduce Tom Lipscomb, a customer success professional who has served as a senior leader in both sales and customer success, and in a variety of roles from director up through president and founder. His broad and deep experience gives him a terrific perspective on our topic today, leading indicators of key customer success metrics. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Can you give us a little bit of a rundown on your experience? Well, thanks, Kristen. Sure, I'd actually love to. Um, in customer success leadership, you find people with a lot of backgrounds, some of them unique, and mine is one of them. Um, I started out my career in a large Fortune 100 company doing research on manufacturing processes, actually um, doing a lot of math, basically a statistician. I kind of refer to myself on Twitter as an ex-quant. Um, and while I was doing that, someone once came up and asked me, can you take what you do with math and numbers and then operations and apply it to the way in which we work with customers? So that may not be that unique today. Um, but in this time frame, it was it was something quite unusual, and so my thought was, hey, I'll try it, and that's pretty much where I've spent the last twenty years of my life. Um, I think the other thing that's probably worth bringing up is, in addition to like software, which is why we talk about customer success a lot as a SaaS industry. Um, I've worked in hardware businesses and industries, and I think it's really important for customer success professionals to understand that. There are things from other industries um, outside of software that really apply to what we do. Um, with that said, you know I've worked in large companies and with large customers. I've worked at a couple of uh, Fortune 100 companies. I've actually started up two businesses within large companies, um, but I've also worked in some startups from kind of dollar one. Um, and what's really interesting, um, really entrenched big companies to first dollar of revenue Understanding the numbers using metrics is really a way to drive successful teams and crush it. So I really appreciate the opportunity to talk more about it today and hopefully people can learn something. Yeah, I think it, it's a really important topic and everybody at the uh, meetups recently has been talking about you know how metrics tie into customer success and I think that background in um, quant that you <laughs> talk about is, is really important and it's something that's still not as common as you would hope it would be, I think. Um, 
So when we spoke a couple weeks ago about the podcast, we were discussing topics that we you were interested in, and we landed on the idea of leading indicators of key success metrics. And before we dive into the meat of that topic, I have a few more general questions for you just to kind of set the stage for our listeners. Sure, so absolutely. First, what do you see as key customer success metrics? I've seen a lot of articles, there's blog posts, some of my bloggers have written blog posts on this, um, and there's books that claim to have comprehensive lists of metrics. What are the most important metrics from your perspective? So um, I get asked this question every once in a while, and I always say like the most important metrics to you are the ones that your CEO cares about. And, and <laughs> yeah, people point. laugh a little bit. <laughs> Um, but, but in a way, I mean it really seriously from this perspective. Customer success um, is kind of a nascent field. So as a customer success leader, what is expected from you, from your company varies. And I think the first place you really want to start um, is, is what your CEO is focused on. It really gives you a good sense of like the meaning of your job as a new customer success leader as a company. Now with that said, um, there are a lot of other things in addition to what the CEO wants measured that you need to focus on. Um, but before I get into what those things are, I kind of want to set a framework for it. And okay. I think, that I would think help. if the listeners can kind of imagine a three by three matrix, this may be easier. So let me take a shot at this matrix. Ooh, so, we're going to try this on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. So close Everyone your use eyes. your imaginations. <laughs> So, so everyone can do it. We've got like three <laughs> columns in rows and you can put the data in either one you want. But let's, let's pretend we're looking at the columns. So at the top is like these three dimensions of things that are really important for you to measure and have your arms around. And the first one doesn't get talked about enough and it's the most important one because we talk customer success mm -hmm. and it's the ROI mm -hmm. that your customer actually sees, right? How do they measure your performance? How are you making them more uh, profitable? The second one is really around like customer success performance. And that's what we're going to talk about a lot today, the, the churn, the headwind, right. retention, those kind of metrics. And then also, and like maybe we can talk about it briefly, there are these internal financials that really are the basis for customer success, which I, I see starting with customer acquisition costs, mm -hmm. um, but goes on to customer retention costs and, and customer expansion costs. So like, that's a top-level matrix. Now let's look at it the other way. When you're talking about metrics, there's kind of three different types, right? So there's, there's the ones that we hear and read about most in blogs, which are really lagging indicators. There are the second category, which are leading indicators. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about a, a third type that's process performance indicators. Okay. So that's our matrix. Before we go any deeper, I think it's important to call out. So what is a leading versus a lagging indicator? Oh, so look, excellent question. So lagging indicators are those like critical KPIs that we're all judged on. Um, they're those things that get measured that typically are very easy to measure, um, but are hard to impact. And, and there are those metrics like churn or at a company level revenue and earnings um, that are hard to impact once you see them. Right? Yeah. So by the time you know what your churn is this month or this quarter, you're mm -hmm. either a hero or you're in trouble. <laughs> um, leading indicators, on the other hand, like are predictive. They try to give you a sense of like a change going on in your environment. They try to actually be predictive in nature. 
and give you a heads up of something that's going to happen or change. Okay. And like the one we talk most about in customer success is health scores, mm-hmm. right? So a health score gives you a sense of what you think is going to happen. It enables you to ideally get in front of something like churn. Um, in in health scores, um, we consider things like NPS, any sort of CSAT, and, and usage metrics as well. Yeah. And really in there what we're looking for is something not normal, some sort of a change that's an indicator that something unique is going on, either good or bad, that actually, with a customer that could predict something. Okay. So, Tom, let's get into kind of the core of the discussion today. What do you think C-level leadership, investors, or board members think customer success should measure? And how well do you think that aligns with what customer success leaders really want to measure? So, I think it should align really well um, <laughs> if your executive team is spot on. So, customer success exists for like very specific reasons. Um, and the reasons are driven by investors. Mm-hmm. Um, let me give you kind of an, an analogy or an uh, anecdote. Like, look at SaaS companies. Most software companies are SaaS today, and there's a lot of benefits to software as a service models. Right. But the reality is, everyone is a SaaS company because that's the only place that investors will invest. You can't get money to create an, a non-recurring revenue business. <laughs> and in the same way, customer success and what's important and what we should measure is really driven by investors. So um, today, markets and investors encourage SaaS companies to spend a lot of money to grow and acquire customers. Mm-hmm. If you look on average, a software as a service company will spend a dollar fifteen to get a dollar's worth of revenue. Mm-hmm. Salesforce.com at times has spent almost two dollars for every dollar of revenue, which seems insane until you look and say, "Gosh, like what is the value of that customer over time, and, right. and how long is that customer valuable to us?" So if you look at someone like Salesforce, that's like six years, right? And all of a sudden, these things make perfect sense. So. I'll give you some statistics by Goldman Sachs when they were looking at, now this is publicly traded companies, but it affects investors and therefore right. it affects private companies as well. Like They show that an incremental 2% in retention of customers mm-hmm. leads to a 20% higher valuation. And they show that a 2% incremental increase in upselling leads to a 28% higher valuation. So the reality is what customer success professionals need to be focused on, and and actually their C-level executives, kind of in a reverse order, Mm -hmm. as number three, retention, just based on these numbers, which is kind of what everyone talks about. Number two, your ability to be able to expand within your customer base. Mm -hmm. And actually, number one, the cost of doing all of this. Right. We've kind of proven that anyone can sell to new customers or existing customers for a dollar fifteen, a dollar's worth of stuff. Customer success job is to make sure those customers stay and that those customers expand at a level that makes your business healthy. So one of the things that a lot of my clients ask about is, you know, what should they be measuring around happiness? So I'm gonna ask you that. What about happiness? Where does happiness fit in here? Happiness of customers. So like happiness is really important, 
But I think as customer success professionals, we need to be like more objective on what our customers really need, right? As businesses, we create value in a marketplace. And as much in a, like in a B2C environment, when I'm, when I'm showing someone a TV show or mm -hmm. I'm selling, you know, someone's selling me a shirt, you're trying to make me happy. In a business to business context, we're trying to make those companies more profitable, mm -hmm. right? And so as much as I think you should consider and you want your customers to be happy, really what you want your customers to be is more profitable. And I think that, that, makes sense. that yeah. ties back to this core, even with NPS, right? Like, would you recommend me to someone else, right? Companies don't recommend companies they're not happy with. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's very few like, oh, I think you have a really good product, but I hate you guys, so I'm gonna recommend you to my friends. That's like not getting you a 10 on NPS, <laughs> right? So there yeah. is a measure of happiness in there. But you always want to drive back to business value because that's that's why you exist in the marketplace, yeah. right? And and stuff like NPS or, or other things like usage and components of health scores can really help you with that. Great. So what role do you see lagging indicators then playing in customer success metrics? Are they important at all or should we just discard them in favor Ooh. of the leading indicators? No, 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 no. So like, <laughs> like once again, lagging indicators are so important. Like okay. they are why you have a job, to make those lagging indicators happen for business results to occur. It's just you can't make them happen by focusing on those numbers, right? Um, like with that said, and, and I started out by saying like, oh, measure what your CEO wants to measure. So I, I, like I know a CEO who's like a net churn guy and that's really cool, but as a customer success professional, you need to measure them all, all the lagging indicators. It's like, like this was like a huge learning experience to me. I, I used to do things where I would like decompose and look at all the metrics and try to figure out what was important. <laughs> and the reality is you need to start, like you need to start with net churn and you need to look and just say, here's what my number looks like. Is that good or is that bad? Oh, it looks okay. Well, wait, there's two parts to it, right? There's customers who are leaving and customers who are growing. Are those both the same? Do you have a problem in one case or the other, right? So, so I worked at a company where like the net churn just looked like like the investor's dream. Gross churn was ugly, mm -hmm. like, and that's yeah. not a bad thing. Like as a CS professional, that's your opportunity, right? Like right. that's so cool. You it's, can learn a lot. Yeah, and it's like, I have meaning, right? <laughs> this is what we're gonna do. Like it's opportunity. We're gonna crush it, right? So, and it always starts with those lagging indicators that gives you the sense of where is the opportunity for the customer? Where are you failing your customers? And where is the opportunity for our company, right? Is it, is it we, should, we should upsell more? Is it you know, we should retain more customers? Or is it some hybrid? Like we spend a lot of money to acquire customers. Maybe we should just get customers, then satisfy them and grow them, mm -hmm. right? And those all start with those high level metrics, both on performance and on cost. Okay. So let's get to the meat of what we started talking about at the beginning. What are the most important leading indicators of customer metrics? What's the best way to measure those indicators in a way that's easy for customer success leaders to implement? So whoever told you easy was part of your job description was, <laughs> was 
was probably it was, a trick was probably lying to you. <laughs> if you're in customer success and you bid on that one, no. So anyway, so like this is why you don't see a ton of blogs about like, oh, let's do all the leading indicators because they're really hard. It's also why companies like Strike Deck and others in that space exist, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, to understand what are those things that you can measure that are like predictors of how your customer base is reacting mm-hmm. is very unique to you and your business, right? So like, I mean, just to start to, to add a layer of complexity, very few SaaS companies have like generic customer bases. We have small customers, we have large customers, we have customers in one segment, we have customers in a different vertical. We have customers that we're really ideally suited for and sometimes, unfortunately, ones that aren't that strong, right? So the way in which you look at those customers is somewhat different and you have to reconcile that in in how you approach leading indicators. Mm -hmm. Another kind of really critical dimension to that is like what how many products do you have what are those products trying to do and how are different people using them right mm-hmm. so i can look at a leading indicator at, like usage mm-hmm. and if i do integration with a company i have absolutely no usage i'm pushing data into their sales force right whereas for another product someone logging on every day and touching the screen and living within that application is critical so as much as you can look at a high level that things like usage or some sort of satisfaction like NPS are mm-hmm. really important components of a health score. Me telling you, oh, listen, it's really easy. Here's the five is, is unfortunately just impossible. But it's one yeah. of the things that make our job cool as problem solvers, right? Yes, <laughs> it is. So I, I think one more thing to mention in this whole thing is that, that I think may be helpful to listeners is when you look at your leading indicators, probably like the most important thing to do is try to establish some sort of correlation, right? They're, they're not leading indicators of anything. If you can't say that usage is correlated with retention or NPS is, is correlated to upselling. So like I get great NPS scores, but if you think NPS is an early or leading indicator of the ability to upsell and everyone loves you and you can't upsell to them, then it's not a good leading indicator. And and I don't expect your CEO to tell you this. Like this as a CS leader is your job. You need to figure out what leading indicators mm-hmm. are really critical to let you know those lagging indicators are going to be where the CEO and the company expect them to be by the end of the quarter or the end of the year. Yeah, I think I think one of the interesting things you just brought up is that usage doesn't always correlate to um, health. And um, I ran into this when I was working at um, Jazz. And what we found is that because we had a um, recruiting platform, it, even if the customer was thinking they were going to leave in six months, they because they were recruiting all the time, they would stay on our platform and their usage would be incredibly healthy up until the day they left. And we would have no idea in some cases that that was happening when I first joined the company. And so, you know, the usage patterns were very healthy and yet the customer wasn't healthy. And I think that in some companies there are usage patterns that do clearly correlate to 
health, and in some other organizations they don't. Right. And, and what I think is um, really critical to understand, it's extremely difficult to understand which is which, right? Mm-hmm. So here's the reality of things. You need to establish for your company and your space what you think makes sense. I guarantee you, you will not be right all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not a big sports guy, but I'll make a sporting analogy, like in customer success. It, you're kind of playing baseball. You're not a pitcher. There are no no-hitters. Like, no one, no one is right all the time. Mm-hmm. You're batting. Like, 300 and something is a really great number. You need to swing the bat. So there's a series of metrics and measurements that you can take that are leading indicators that you think are associated with those lagging indicators. Some of them are things like NPS, other ones are usage data, and like you learn, wow, we thought because we're intelligent people that there'd be a correlation between this usage and a result. There wasn't, whatever, move on, pick the next one, that's right. your job. And even when you pick the right ones, you always need to remember that the outcomes that your customers are trying to achieve are constantly changing. Right. They're evolving. They're getting better at what they do. And so the metrics you use will change over time. This is not a static environment in any way, shape, or form. It's very dynamic, very agile. So usage that's really meaningful today as your customers mature may be less meaningful. Yeah. That's, Does that that's make a some good sense? Point. Absolutely. I want to kind of go back to something that you mentioned earlier in our discussion, um, process performance metrics. Can you tell us a little bit more about them and where they fit into the big picture relative to a metric strategy? Yeah, I, I, would, I would actually love to. So um, I, I, I really like Peter Drucker and, and he's like his quote is on top of my LinkedIn profile. And, <laughs> um, and he's the one who said the whole like, you know, what gets measured gets improved. Yeah. Like the, the word people always miss is gets, mm-hmm. right? So that's a great CEO quote. If you've got people who are going to actually do stuff for you, I want to measure it. You need to do something about it, right? Mm-hmm. So I look at these lagging indicators that are like critical to our jobs. It's why we exist. Our customers leaving. What's the cost of upselling them? And then I've got something that I think indicates like what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's predictive. What's usage? What's NPS? But then there's always this question of like, how are you gonna impact those leading indicators, right? Mm-hmm. Just like, how are you gonna drive usage? How are you gonna drive NPS? And, and you have to have a strategy. And often those strategies involve processes. Call them playbook, call, call yeah. them whatever you like, right? But you need a plan. Mm-hmm. And the reality is you need to measure the lagging indicators. You need to measure the leading indicators like usage and NPS. And you need to measure your processes. Mm-hmm. I think if we have a QBR every quarter, customers will renew. Okay, cool. Are we having QBRs every quarter? Is it actually happen, happening, right? So process performance metrics are when you look at a leading indicator and you mm-hmm. wanna drive results in a specific direction, more usage. So let, let's just use usage as an example. I have a usage problem. I decide during onboarding, my focus is going to be improved training Mm -hmm. and make sure that I have a change management program in place that I roll out at my key customers to drive usage. Okay, great plan. Measure it. Are you 
actually getting in front of those people? Are you actually doing change management with them? And I, I don't mean like send them an email, right? It's like, what is your way in which you are going to drive adoption and change management? What are people gonna say? What are they gonna do? Who needs to be involved in that? And you need to measure and understand if those things are happening. I mentioned earlier correlation, and I will give you this. It's really, really hard to correlate between all these things. Yeah. Obviously, you're going to have a bunch of different leading indicators, a bunch of lagging indicators, and like so many things going on. But the reality is, at the very least, you need to measure your processes and say, at least I'm doing what I think I'm doing. There's another side of that, especially for customer success leadership, and I see it all the time. Your customer success managers like are incredibly busy. They're mm -hmm. already doing stuff. <laughs> so when you they create <laughs> something and you want them to do something different to impact this leading indicator that's gonna impact the lagging indicator that's gonna get your company sold or whatever the case may be, like you need to enable them to do that. And so that's another really important reason for measuring process performance measurements. Like, are we having those meetings? Are, like you want them to blog, are they blogging? Not like, why not? Have you not enabled them? Do they not have the time? Is it not a priority, right? Mm -hmm. so, so if you're going to do things, which you have to to change and make things better, like you have to change something to change things, right? Right. If you're gonna do that, measure it. Because when you measure it, you will learn that your CSFs can't do that because they're too busy handling support calls. Yeah, when we um, do, playbooks for our clients, you know, one of the pieces of that project for us always is first an enablement piece to train the team on, you know, what was just uh, built and, and changed, but then uh, an analytics piece of the project where we look at how are you going to measure whether your team is following the plays that you built, and then how are you going to measure whether those plays are actually driving the change you were hoping to achieve. And if you can build some reports around both of those things, then you can figure out if the tactics that you're employing to try to move the needle on your metrics are really having an impact or not. And I think one of the things that's really important in customer success, which is a little younger field and needs to be really nimble right now, is you've got to be looking at that stuff regularly and changing things quickly if they're not working and not get too caught up in, well, you built this process because other companies have had success with this process. And, you know, if it's not working for you, it's not working for you. If you're measuring it, you'll know that quickly and you need to change it rapidly. Absolutely. Like, I think one of the healthy things that people do is take other people's, like, content and change it. Because, you know what, you need to learn how to change the way in which you approach things. Right. Because that's fundamental to our jobs. Mm -hmm. it, is, it is a moving target. If you think you can become and create, like, steady stagnant non-moving processes in this like in this field you're 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 sadly mistaken <laughs> there's always a Too moving target change, yeah. if there's if there's not you'll go out of business right yeah. if you're not taking your customers somewhere new they will go somewhere else so let's shift gears a little bit and talk about tools so there's a lot of things out there which tools do you think people should be using to implement customer success metrics so let me start with there's like like, if you think you don't have a tool, you have no excuse. So if all you have is Excel, then Excel is your tool and you yep. start there. The fundamental mistake is like, oh, I don't have some fancy CS tool, so I'm not going to do anything. Get down to it. Create a spreadsheet, start measuring things, and do the best you can. You will be better than if you didn't measure. Now, with that said, 
if you can afford to, go machine learning. And let me give you like a really concrete example of why I say this, right? Um, I'll give you, a, I'll give you the company. I worked at a company and we did predictive models. Okay. And we had a freemium model where we would, you would, we would pull all your data from your Salesforce and we would give you these like brilliant insights. And it would be like, here are the 22 factors that make this person someone like ideal to buy your stuff. And, okay. and they would always be like, oh my gosh, that is so valuable. You can't tell the people, you can't tell these customers for free what the 22 components are to the secret recipe. Absolutely you can. Like, like there's nothing you can do with those 22 factors without a really intelligent model. And just like, like let's think about 10. Uh-huh. What are you gonna do, weight them all 10%? Then what are you gonna trigger? Like when any like when five of them go to zero? <laughs> what yeah. if all ten are at fifty the math never makes sense? Yeah. And then you've got a really important one. So you take that one and you make it like fifty percent, and then like the other nine or the other fifty percent, and then they never matter. Yeah. Like that's what machine learning does. That's what predictive models that really take health scores and combine them do. And that's like a very sophisticated thing. Mm-hmm. You don't have any excuse not to take metrics and work with what you have, and you can make great strides by doing that. But honestly, if you want to look at four different types of usage and health scores, and, and then throw like we used to, we used to do this um, by customer segmentation. We used to look at at fit scores and combine that all in. Like you cannot do that manually, and you need to invest in a tool. And and honestly. Um, the investment just easily justifies the return. Where, what do you think you have? Where do you think you have to be though in order to be ready for a tool like that? So, what? Uh, like I made this mistake once, and it was just painful enough that I'll never do it again. You never buy a tool and have it define what you do. Okay. You figure out what you're trying to do and you buy tools to automate that, right? So um, I think what you need to do is understand lagging, leading, what are you trying to affect? What does your organization do to impact those things? So if like usage in your environment is huge in what users do, then you need to look at a tool that does machine learning that can take the eight factors. If there's only one factor that matters, then maybe it's less important, then maybe you, you bias towards other features and functions. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's really critical to understand is different tools take, like everybody talks about the cost of these SaaS tools. They're, they're inexpensive. Honestly, if you're running a company, they are inexpensive. What's expensive is the time of your CS team. Mm -hmm. You have a dozen or 15 or hopefully 50 customer success managers, all who are depending on that tool to make their lives more productive. Mm -hmm. That far outweighs what you pay those people per month. And then add on to that implementation costs. Like these are things that I see people making mistakes and doing and selecting tools. One is thinking a tool will define how they're gonna differentiate themselves in the marketplace, which is crazy because if everyone bought the tool then no one would be differentiated. That was the answer, <laughs> right? So one, not knowing what you want to achieve. Yeah. And then two, assuming somehow the big cost is paying for the software, which it isn't. It's it's implementing it, maintaining it, keeping it up yeah. to date, the project, as well as the fact that you're taking a bunch of people who are already busy mm -hmm. and changing the way in which they work every day. So yeah, be thoughtful. 
So how do you see key customer success metrics shifting over time? How is that going to impact the leading indicators that you talked about? So like I don't see the lagging ones changing a bunch. Like it's funny, you keep seeing these reprints, a new blog, like, oh, what's this? And oh they're all the same, right? I mean it's <laughs> I mean it, it's fundamentally like you you're always gonna view, and I love my customers, but you always like as a company they should be viewed as an asset. It's like financial, mm-hmm. like revenues, earnings, it's the same thing. Retention, upselling, cost of upselling, cost of retaining, right? I mean that those will never change. What what will constantly change are the leading indicators and the ability to try the leading to the process indicators, right? So like we were talking about with machine learning or any of these things, more sophisticated models, right? I mean, honestly, if you're not measuring, like if you're not doing anything, measure NPM. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think NPS is a save all, but do something. If you if you have usage data and you're not using, pick the one that makes the most sense and measure it, you will get better. Mm-hmm. You'll get better to a certain level. Um, and then I think you will evolve and you'll, to be better, have more things in your model that give you a better indication of how your customers are responding and how you can how you can make them more successful. Mm-hmm. And that that will never stop changing. That's changing today and it will never stop. Okay. So just to kind of wrap up, if you were a new customer success leader starting from scratch, from a metric standpoint, what what approach would you take to getting your measurements set up? So I think we touched upon it a little bit. I really like the like the very business-like approach and I think customer success executives need this. Mm-hmm. It's like my customer base is an asset that I need to, kind of the farming analogy, maintain and grow yeah. for a certain investment. Um, and so that's where I would always start and that, that starts with your cost structure and your, and your lagging indicators, right? What is my performance today and where are the opportunities? What could we do, what could we do more? And there's, there's always an opportunity that if, if your like retention and upselling both look good, mm-hmm. what is your cost of sales? Could you sell more quickly? Could you get more customers involved and, and grow them? If you're so good at keeping them and having them grow, decrease, decrease your selling cost or selling time mm-hmm. and just spend more, more time and effort and customer success growing those groups. So there's always an answer there about what you can do. Um, I think that would be number one. I think number two, is establish with your leadership team a cost basis. Customer success and and the changes you want to drive in these mm-hmm. numbers have a cost associated with them. What is the value of that? I hear customer success executives all the time trying to justify aspects of their project, and that's okay, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's okay if in a greater context you haven't said, pick a number. 13% of our revenue is yeah. going to be spent on retention. Oh, you don't think so? You think it's going to be 10%? Okay, like, I'm not sure 10% is a good number when I look at all the companies I know today, but if it's your number, it's your number, right? And that that enables you to hire people of a certain skill. It, it enables you to do certain things that you may not be able to do. Like, I know a company that's just totally crushing it, privately held, no one knows about them, like, worth more than a billion dollars. They spend like 18, 19%, 19% on customer success, okay. right? But you need that base number. I'd say um, that's the number two thing. And then like 
evolve your your like strategy yeah. relative to these business measurements, right? So I think it's probably pretty easy to from Salesforce, whatever financial system you're doing, look at all your lagging indicators and who's your customer base and things like that. What are your leading metrics like? How are you measuring them and tracking them? What seems important to you that are going to impact those things? And then the fun starts, right? Then it's your job. What processes and what things am I going to put in place to drive mm-hmm. improvement in there? And to your point earlier, like how do I measure those things? How do, right. I, how do I make sure I'm doing what I say I'm going to do? Right. So the last question is something that I ask all of our podcast guests. What do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now? And why should we be paying attention to it? It's a can big I go question. With, can I go with two? <laughs> you can have two. All right. So um, <laughs> one is I think customer success is in a real transition now, and I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not sure how it'll play out. But you see a lot of customer success teams or companies that have customer success teams hiring account managers. So I've done some account management. I, mm-hmm. I'm not biased against it. But in this world where we're trying to retain and grow customers at the lowest cost available, I think you need to decide early on in customer success if growth of those accounts is required um, by your customer success team. And I think a lot of companies start hiring account managers because they didn't hire customer success managers, viewing that as a part of their role. It's okay if it's not. You just need to decide mm-hmm. because you like. Like, okay, your most important asset is your customer base. But as a customer success manager, like an executive, my customer success team is my asset within the company that, like like my team has always achieved everything I've achieved. I mean, I, I don't really do very much. Don't tell anyone, but I don't. Like my teams, yeah, <laughs> like my teams crush it. Your team is, is expensive, yeah. right? And I'm not just talking salaries, right? You bring in like like you work so hard to hire the right people that fit the culture that are really smart, but they're not operating at 100% on day one or probably on day 90. Right. Right. I mean, bringing them up to speed, getting them familiar with their customers, having them understand the value proposition, them having relationships with their customers are all things as a company you invest in. So you hire people with a certain skill set, and then like. A year from now, you decide those people should be like better at negotiating contracts. Okay, well, like, did you hire people to do that? Because if not, you're going to have this team of really valuable people who ultimately strategically aren't well positioned or suited for what you ultimately want them to do. I mean, I haven't seen a customer success team where the customer success managers aren't like aren't growing and evolving. Right. The whole profession is growing and evolving. Right. And you need as a company, it's one of the most strategic things you need to do as a CS executive. Like, where are those people going? Like, what do I need them to do in two years? Because that's like two, you have a CSM who's been with you for two years. They are like firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. They need to be doing what you need them to do two years from now. So yeah. I think that's one thing. And I, and I see, I think, a gap of it because I see all these teams like, oh, we need to hire account managers because our CSMs can't. Um, I think the other thing, and, and it's like one of my favorite things, I've worked, I've worked with like large enterprise companies a lot. Yeah. But I like the idea of mid-market and going down market, and I like high-tech approaches. I like one-to-many, because I think it's really an interesting challenge. And I think what CS needs to do really well going forward is learn to, and I'm gonna use this term and then change a little bit, market to your customers. 
yeah. market to your installed base. There's so much brilliant work being done in marketing on like account-based marketing. Right. Okay, that, like that's what customer success executives need to do with their customers. The challenge is you just can't make it seem salesy, right? I right. mean, it needs to be part of the value. If you want to be the company that crushes it, then the communications you make with your customer base needs to be part of what differentiates you as a company. So how do I effectively communicate with my customers about cool stuff that they should be doing? Right. And that's a future of them and us working together. Like I think customer success executives who nail that. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the one so many thing is really interesting. I think it's an interesting opportunity to try to make it feel like it's one to few or one to one even while it is one to many. So how can you kind of use automation to get ahead of, of that one to many feel and to work with your marketing team to kind of think through approaching customers in the, the very thoughtful, well-crafted way that they've come up with to talk to prospects, but in a way that is appealing to customers. Right. So it's an interesting area. Yeah, definitely. spot on, like huge opportunity there. I mean, that, that could, actually change the entire software as a service industry. It could change Absolutely. the way we sell. It could change the way in which we view marketplaces. Um, it's, it is, to me, it is the biggest opportunity for customer success. And there are people out there doing it well, but I'd say largely untapped. Tom, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. It was great to get your perspective on customer success metrics. And I'm sure many of our listeners really enjoyed hearing about how to set up leading indicators within their own organizations. Well, listen, thanks so much for having me. Like, uh, it's been, one, a lot of fun, which I always like having, and two, really insightful. <laughs> I uh, appreciate your insights both here on the podcast and the conversations we had earlier. For any of the listeners who want to reach out to me, one, I'm on LinkedIn. I have been forever. Um, reference, though, this, like, podcast, or I'll just think you're just some random person reaching out to me, which I don't <laughs> That's connect a good point. to. And then also, I'm at TC Lipscomb on Twitter. And actually... What I would like you to do is like reach out to me and tell me why I should follow you because I want more people who are really thought leaders um, that need followers. I'd love to follow you and hear what you have to say as well. Oh, that's great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get you to follow me. <laughs> I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please Visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow The Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. And to get all of the latest episodes, please subscribe to Strike Deck Radio on iTunes or SoundCloud. Finally, thanks for listening to this podcast, and we hope you'll join us next time.